0: Listener Production.
1: Welcome to The Briefing. It's Claire Weaver, Investigations Editor here, with one of your favourite episodes from the year on forever chemicals found in your makeup. In this episode, The Briefing uncovered first evidence of toxic forever chemicals in popular cosmetics on Australian shelves. We took six well-known cosmetics to an independent laboratory for testing and found that two of the brands contain PFAS, which are linked to a range of health risks, including cancers and infertility. Before we get into my special report, here are some important stories making news today. It's Wednesday, 27th of December.
2: Good morning, I'm Celeste Mitsu. Bargain hunters have drowned out cost of living concerns. Retailers are forecasting $1.25 billion was spent in Boxing Day sales across the country. That is up 1.6% on last year. Rob Goodwin from the National Retailers Association says it is just the beginning with sales to remain strong until Jan 15.
0: It's lovely to see the shoppers out smiling, lots of bags, so we're hoping for some cash to come back through the uh, tills. We should see some discounting and increased discounting during the next week.
2: One person has died and two others are missing after a boating accident in Brisbane's Moreton Bay. Eight people have been taken to hospital after the boat capsized south of Green Island late yesterday afternoon. Key states are drifting away from Labor. Their primary vote has fallen six points to 32% in New South Wales and down to 27% in Queensland, according to the latest news poll. The poll also showed women are turning their back on the government. The son of convicted terrorist Abdul Benbrika is facing serious weapon charges. Ibrahim Benbrika was caught trying to take a replica pistol onto a flight at Melbourne Airport in January. A Perth volunteer firefighter has died while trying to battle a bushfire in the state's southwest. The man was part of a private crew responding to a blaze near Esperance. And Easter is still three months away, but hot cross buns are already on sale. Woolley expects to sell $1.8 before the new year. Australia is on top, heading into day two of the Boxing Day test against Pakistan in Melbourne, resuming at three for 187. Playing in his second last test, David Warner says Marcus Harris should be next in line to replace him.
1: He's going to have that chance. He's always been that person who was next in line. Um, so, you know, if the, if the selectors show their, their faith in him, then I'm sure he'll he'll come out and play the way he does.
2: One of the favourites for the Sydney to Hobart yacht race, Scallywag has been forced to withdraw after the vessel's bow sprit broke. OK, thanks
1: to the listener newsroom for those headlines. Now it's time for a deep dive into PFAS.
0: All right, now to our briefing where our very own investigations editor here at Listener took some cosmetic products to a laboratory for testing because of a hunch that they contain some very concerning chemicals known as PFAS. So you might have seen PFAS in the news before. It stands for per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. It's a broad category of synthetic chemicals used in products from nonstick fry pans, food packaging carpet, couches, camping gear, and firefighting foams. And it really hit the news because of the firefighting foams a few years ago when it was revealed it had been used for decades in firefighting training at RAF bases right around the country and was contaminating surrounding waterways and land. So pretty concerning to think about that and then the reality we might be putting them on our eyebrows or (laughs) used as eyeliner on our skin So they're being viewed as a big problem around the world. In the EU, they're currently considering a ban on PFAS, which would be one of the largest bans on chemical substances ever in Europe. Claire Weaver joins us now for the first time on The Briefing. Claire, thanks so much for this story. Tell us why we should care about PFAS.
1: Two reasons. Firstly, they're linked to a range of human health problems, including some cancers, thyroid disease, elevated cholesterol weakened immunity and infertility. Mm. Secondly, they're very bad for the environment because they just don't break down. They can get into our water, our soil and food supply and they're toxic to some animals.
0: Okay, so they have some serious problems but obviously they must be of some use. Why are they used in so many products?
1: So PFAS have some really useful properties. For example, they can make products water resistant, greasepoof and more durable. In makeup, it can be useful for waterproofing eye products, making lip and foundation products last longer, and creating a smoother application for creams. They may also be used in the manufacturing and shipping or storage processes, meaning that they could unintentionally end up in a product.
0: And so, what about regulation? Are they are they legal?
1: The Australian government has set some recommended tolerable daily intakes for PFAS in water and food, as well as guideline limits for soil in site investigations. But there are no specific rules for cosmetics.
0: Right, okay. So are they're pretty strict limits on how much of this could be in our foods, but nothing on cosmetics.
1: Yeah, nothing on cosmetics.
0: And when it comes to cosmetics, do they have to put this on the label? If there is PFAS in a cosmetic product, will you be able to tell?
1: Well, brands should be listing all their ingredients uh, on their products, but you probably don't know if PFAS are in your cosmetics because even if PFAS is in it, it wouldn't be listed as PFAS. Um, so, your best chance of finding out whether a product contains PFAS is to look for PTFE, which is the chemical abbreviation for Teflon, or chemical ingredients containing the word fluoro, because this indicates fluorine. And PFAS, as the name suggests, is a fluorinated chemical or, or an umbrella term for all fluorinated chemicals.
0: Okay, so they're common types of PFAS, but when you look at a label, given it's such a broad category, there could be so many things there, so many names you don't recognise that might actually be PFAS.
1: Absolutely. And I should also mention that on a practical level, I really struggled to read the fine print in the ingredient panels on cosmetics when I went shopping for this story. It's really tiny. And on something like an eye pencil, you'd have to find a booklet or go online to see the ingredients.
0: Where did this all start for you? We've heard about PFAS in these other contexts. What made you think about PFAS and cosmetics?
1: I'd heard over the years that PFAS was in a a whole lot of uh, products and then this research paper came out a couple of years ago where they'd looked at PFAS in North American cosmetics and it found it was an issue. It was actually in about half of the products they tested. So that got me thinking, well, what about the Australian market? Is it an issue here or are our products different? So we spend $22 billion a year on cosmetics and toiletries in Australia and a lot of us put makeup or skincare products Mm. on our skin every day. So it's clearly something I thought was worth checking out.
0: Okay, so we're about to find out what happened when you sent six cosmetic products to the lab. But before we get into that, why should we be concerned about PFAS in cosmetics in particular? Is there a way that cosmetics get into our bloodstream?
1: Yeah, you need a viable exposure route for a health risk to turn into a hazard eye pencils and this uh eyeshadow palette, uh, which came back positive, could be absorbed via your tear ducts and, and through your skin. Here's Heather Whitehead. She's from the University of Notre Dame in Indiana, and she was one of the authors of that big study I just mentioned of PFAS in North American cosmetics. If you purchase a cosmetic, you apply it to, say, your face or your eyes. It sits on your face for a set number of hours of the day. And so there's dermal exposure pathways. There's also, you know, if it's on your lips or in your eyes, there's the pathways through there. And those, of course, are most relevant to the people that are wearing them for, you know, eight hours a day.
0: Yeah, when you think about it like that, like these products are on our skin for hours and hours a day, day after day. Exactly. All right. Let's go to your testing. How did you decide which products to send to the lab?
1: So I... Went off to one of our big pharmacies in Australia and had a look at ingredient panels and had a look at products, had a look at the claims they were making. So I was particularly interested in waterproof, uh, long-lasting products. And I just uh, selected a bit of a a selection of brands and and products uh, and brought them into the laboratory for testing.
0: Okay. So how did that all work? Tell us how it played out.
1: So first up, PFAS testing is expensive, so I only sent this small handful of products for testing at EnviroLab, which is an accredited uh, testing laboratory on Sydney's North Shore. I literally bought those products in, dropped them off, and it took a week uh, for testing, and then, ping, the results arrived in my inbox. The two products that came back positive were Natio's Define Eye Pencil and Revolution's Forever Flawless Dynamic Eternal Eyeshadow Palette.
0: Okay, so the other four products you tested didn't have PFAS?
1: No, they came back negligible. Um, It's possible with deeper testing that they may have had some, but no, they all came back as negligible readings.
0: Okay, so for these two products, the Natio Eye Pencil and the Revolution Eyeshadow Palette, were they concerning levels of PFAS?
1: So it's very difficult to say because there are no benchmark um, amounts like if it was water or soil, we'd have something to work with. But for cosmetics, um, I'll, I'll tell you what the results are and I'll give you a little bit of context. The Natio Eye Pencil had a total PFAS content of 440 micrograms per kilo, and the Revolution Eyeshadow Palette had 200 micrograms per kilo. So, as I said, these figures don't mean much because there aren't set limits for PFAS in cosmetics in Australia to measure them against. But to give you context, those results are higher than the average amount detected in cosmetics that tested positive in that US study, which was 99 micrograms per kilo.
0: Okay, so for the Natio Eye Pencil, you had 440 micrograms per kilogram, which is more than four times greater than the average level of PFAS in American cosmetics.
1: Yes, in the ones that tested positive.
0: Okay, so that sounds concerning. Potentially, so what did the scientists at the lab say when he saw the results?
1: He was really surprised. He thought they'd all come back negative. I was a bit surprised about that.
0: I pretty much thought most of them would have been
1: less than detection these days. Ten years ago, you'd probably find it, that there's been such a, a lot of media interest about PFAS. I would have thought all of these would
0: have been phased out by now. Okay, well, that's interesting in itself. What else did he have to say?
1: Well, and then he went on to say that he thought that there should be guidelines for consumer products like cosmetics.
0: There probably does need to be guidelines. In reality, we've probably only just scratched the
1: surface of PFAS analysis. Everyone is so worried about their soil and their water. Water and food is going to be the main ingestion for PFAS. But I think cosmetics and other consumer goods, I think that will be the next big thing to look at.
0: So we don't have guidelines here yet and you can still legally have PFAS in cosmetics. How's it being dealt with overseas?
1: Well, that big study I mentioned in America actually uh, had quite a profound impact. Um, uh, Heather Whitehead ended up working with some of the brands to try and eliminate PFAS from the product and it created um, immediate legislative change too. Let's hear more from her on that. After the publication came out, we, and on the same day, We worked with different legislators here in the US and bipartisan bills were announced in both the House and the Senate to try and ban PFAS in cosmetics. And so we spent a lot of time really figuring out ways to get this to folks and make it so that they can actually do something with that information.
0: All right. So that's a sense of what's going on in the US where it feels like there has been a a bit more work done on PFAS in cosmetics. What is happening here? Is there any move to make these products safer?
1: Not yet. Um, In Australia, we're a bit behind uh, the EU and America. Look, to be honest, I think the Australian government could be stronger in regulating this. Uh, One problem that became clear when I last covered this issue was that PFAS doesn't come under the umbrella of a single agency. It's health, environment, science, agriculture, consumer and more. So it's spread across a lot of areas. So I would say the Australian government tends to be less proactive on PFAS compared to, to these overseas counterparts. But I don't think it's an excuse because um, what I reckon it all comes down to is consumers have a right to know if products they're putting onto their bodies every day contain PFAS, don't you?
0: Well, yeah, but what's the best way to do that? Is it just about labelling? Is it about setting limits on, on the amount of PFAS in cosmetics? What would be a good way of dealing with the situation, do you think?
1: So it's, it's a really difficult thing to give advice on as the situation is now. I think for consumers individually, they can read labels um, and maybe put waterproof and long-lasting cosmetics under closer scrutiny for a start. I also think that consumers could use social media to put pressure on their favourite brands to eliminate or phase out PFAS from their products. Personally, I also reckon it could be a really good marketing strategy for brands to get on the front foot and get the halo effect of stamping PFAS free on their labels.
0: Oh, that's an interesting idea. So have you personally changed your choice of cosmetics because of this research?
1: No, (laughs) I don't use a whole lot, (laughs) but I, I probably will read labels a lot closer as a result.
0: All right. And so will I, Claire, next time I'm buying eyeliner. Um, Thank you so much (laughs) for bringing that story to us.
1: No worries. Thanks, Tom. And in an update, Natio also said it would remove PFAS from its product following our investigation. Listener